You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48 yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobbed one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15 10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4 yard line. Holy <laughs> Here's the snap. Pressure coming from the outside. Brady throws a pass. Hot ball first out of the 50. Outside the number 40. To the 30-yard line. To the 25. And Perriman. Bashad Perriman. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Box win in overtime. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening and you're missing out. Woo! And there the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from Mr. Or, uh, yeah, from BucksNation.com, not MrPucksNation.com. Putting out some quality work over at BucksNation.com as usual. My good buddy and co-host, Evan Wanish. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Uh, happy to have you back. Uh, yeah. You know, that's that's an important, important distinction because you were not on the last episode, but you were back. You were healthy now. Your voice is back to normal. So happy to hear that. Yeah, man, me too. It, it, it was it was a historic uh, previous episode of the Cannon Fire podcast because after 260-something episodes, and I'm sure I'm missing quite a few, I think that was the first episode we've ever done that I have not been on. So I, I think so. You and James did a stellar job filling in, and since then, the only thing that has changed, the NFL draft has come and gone. So today we are back giving you guys all the latest Red and Pewter news, of course, but we're also going to be breaking down the 2022 NFL draft class, Jason Light and his staff went out there and uh, definitely, definitely had themselves a draft. We'll, we'll obviously they had a talk. draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was a draft. So did 30, 31 other teams, they had a draft. Yeah, it was very interesting because it, it seemed like this year of the draft, I, I guess, it, you know, all the takeaways that you wanted from it, I guess it just depends on where you looked because 
As I scroll down my Twitter feed throughout the course of the weekend, day one, two, and three of the NFL draft this year, it seemed like it was either the greatest draft of all time or it seemed like the Bucs were going to be going 5-12 and 12 because they didn't necessarily draft the player that everybody wanted in the third round. So, I mean, we'll obviously grade things out in a little more detail, but what, what are your overall thoughts? I mean, I, I thought it got the job done. Nothing sexy when you're picking... You know, 27, and the Bucks ultimately traded back. We'll talk about that in a second as well. But, like, you're not picking from the cream of the crop, so I guess it invites you to dig a little bit deeper into your prospect book. But I thought the Bucks did a pretty good job of addressing positions of need and uh, finding ways to save some money, too, while they're at it. Well, you know, the, the two big reasons that I think people kind of get worked up over this weekend, um, one is, just like you said, you know, even though they picked 32nd last year, you're so used to having, you know, top 10 or 15 picks that you can get the elite guys, you know, like you, you can get the the big time difference makers that are going to start on day one and they're going to make a huge difference on day one. So when it's a little bit of a change of pace and a lot of your draft picks, they're going to say about them, oh, well, this player, he's not going to start like, oh, he's not going to play much right now or you don't recognize a certain name. That's where people get a little frustrated, but also it's important to remember in draft season and ahead of the draft, just because a player is consistently mocked to a team doesn't necessarily mean that team loves that player more than another. You know, it doesn't mean that. For example, Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt went 28th to the Green Bay Packers. Devontae Wyatt was a player who I had selected for the Buccaneers in the Believe mock draft with a 27th overall pick. It would have made a lot of sense. And um, the Bucs did have him on their board, but they didn't have him and Logan Hall, their eventual draft pick. They didn't have them. It was so far between. They thought it was valuable enough to trade down, acquire more picks, and still get that player. So just because Devontae Wyatt was a player that was consistently mocked to the Bucs doesn't always mean that, oh, the Bucs, they're in love with this guy. You know, this is going to be the guy. And if it's not, then it automatically means a failure. Like th- that That's the difference that I think I've seen. And, you know, last year I, I sort of understood the, the late round pick thing. People were not being used to it yet. This year it should have been a little bit better. And I feel like a lot of people were still really had their hopes high. Um, especially when you see like Nicobe Dean going to third round because he fell. Uh, even like Malik Willis going to third round. Like who, you know, who would have guessed that? Um, when you see guys like that, you're like, oh well, yeah, but there was a chance to get this guy and this guy and this guy. There is, but it really is much, much less of a chance. So that's why you're seeing some guys you don't necessarily recognize they're at the back end. Like you said, they're still good players. You can still have a chance to add good players, but you're not getting, at least you don't think, you know, it's all projection. You know, the Latin, Mr. Irrelevant could turn to be a star who knows. Um, but it's all about a, a projection of what you think. Could they be stars? Sure. Is it likely? No. And that's okay. The conversation at least for me, when you're picking as late as you are, like when the Bucks have, you know, a pick that's after 24, or it's it's not a top 20 pick anymore. Like that's when you kind of have to start to ask yourself, you know, can he be a star? Yeah, maybe. But when you're picking from that crop of talent, you have to ask yourself, can these guys contribute in any way, shape or form? And that's kind of been the million dollar question these last 
two drafts for Jason Light. Another thing that you and I had talked about that I thought was kind of cool is that as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers general manager, Jason Light, within the span of, what, eight years, seven years at this point, he's had the first overall pick in the draft. He's had the 32nd overall pick in the draft. And it seems like he has picked just about everywhere in between. I know the Bucs had the seventh pick one year. I think they picked 13th when they traded up to get Tristan Wirfs. They got, uh, was it Vita Vea with pick number 19? I, I know they've had some so, picks. So, yeah, it was pick seven was Mike Evans. That was his first one. Yeah. His next one was the first overall with Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was supposed to pick at nine, traded back at, to 11 and picked Vernon Hargraves. The next year with 19th, picked O.J. Howard. Was supposed to pick at seven, traded back to 12 and got Vita Vea. Then the next year was at 14. No, I'm sorry, was at five. So he had a top five pick, got Devin White. The next year, trades up for one spot for Tristan Wirfs. The next year's pick in 32nd. And then this year, he trades out of the first round. So really, the only thing that Jason Light hasn't done yet, and that's what I brought up to you, the only thing he hasn't done yet is make that bold trade up, like that, you know, five, six, seven, eight spots, like that type of trade-up. That's the only thing that this guy hasn't experienced yet in the first round as the general manager of the Buccaneers. And we look at the future of this football team. Obviously, we're sitting here talking about the present, but he he may or may not be in that situation to have to do that within the next two years or so. So that's obviously something else to keep an eye on. But as we start to grade this draft out, Let's just dive right into it, right? We'll, we'll get to the, uh, well, the Buccaneers didn't make a first-round selection. They traded from 27 back to 33, picked up a couple of extra picks. So the 33rd pick of the 2022 NFL Draft, the first pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season, Logan Hall, defensive lineman from the University of Houston. This is a big physical guy, but my favorite thing about him is that He's just like, he's huge. Like, I don't know what it is about these giant ass defensive linemen, but the fact that he has the size and the measurables that he does, it seems like Todd Bowles is motivated to pack on a little bit more weight. He's right around 285 right now, which is just freakish. I mean, this dude's what, 6'6", I think, playing along that defensive line. Lines up as a three tech, so he'll be a defensive end, kind of like a a bigger Will Golston. But I'm excited about what this kid brings to the table your thoughts on Logan Hall coming out of the gate? Yeah, I mean, I think Will Golston is a decent comparison. Um, Logan Hall is a bit more, I would say, pass rush ability and pass rush potential than Will Golston. Um, I think Logan Hall is a guy who's not, I don't, he's not a double digit sack guy. Like he's not that type of pass rusher, but I think at his peak, he can play solid run defense and also get you six to eight sacks a season. I, I think that's at his peak. Um, he's yet again, you know, you're like you're probably not drafting a star here, but that's okay. Uh, so obviously Logan always position versatile. Um, he can play a lot of different spots. They like to move their guys around a lot, right? We've seen it a lot with the Dominican Sue and Will Golston. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a good fit next to Vita Vea. Uh, you needed a sort of a player like Logan Hall to fit next to him and Devontae Wyatt would have worked. Um, you know, there was a lot of other players that, that would have worked, but Logan Hall is the pick. I would say, you know, probably Devontae Wyatt is more of a finished product right now. Logan Hall is a bit more of a project. Um, but I, I think if you're looking at upside, Devontae Wyatt's ceiling, he's probably closer to his ceiling now than Logan Hall is. Logan Hall will still have room to grow. And the good news is 
I think he'll have that chance to grow because personally, you know, I believe Nadamikin Sue will return eventually. Um, I, I don't think he'll end up anywhere else. So if he does, that forces Logan Hall to not have to start right away. You know, he can kind of ride the bench just like Joe Tryon Shuinka last year. Come in every now and then. You know, maybe there will be a game where Will Golson or Nadamikin Sue's hurt and they're out and he does have to start. You know, that that's good experience. So that's the good news is that yes, he's not a finished product right now. The good news is that the Bucs are not throwing him to the Wolves. He's not going to be playing 80, 90% of the snaps right out of the gate. They're going to ease him into it. And then hopefully next year he can become your full-time starter, which is what Joe Trashoenka right now is projected to be for the Bucs. Yeah. Unless they add an outside linebacker, you know, Joe Trashoenka is going to be the other starter. So I think you're seeing a very similar draft pick here. Um, at 33, it's much easier to, to swallow that than rather than picking at 27. Yeah. I think they, they would have been comfortable uh, picking him at 27. Uh, obviously you lose some value because now there is no fifth year option on him. You, you have just four years. Uh, so that's the value you lose out on with trading out of the first round. Um, but, you know, I, it wasn't, he wasn't my top ranked player on, on the board for me when, when the Bucks were picking, but, like you said, it's a position of need, right? You want to go best player available at all, all times. But, and Logan Hall, would it have been a slight reach? Was he the best player available? Probably not, but he wasn't that far along and he was at a position of need that they've needed for a little bit now. So that's why this pick makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's all about getting younger at that position as well. Like that's something to, that yeah. we had stressed is a little bit of a need coming into the draft is you look at the trenches, the offensive line we'll talk about here in a second because they're in some better shape, but the defensive line in particular, and I mean the middle of that defensive line, like you have Vita Vea who is under contract for a while, but aside from that, you've got Sue who is year to year. You've got Will Golston who may as well be year to year at this and point. And that, that's assuming career. Sue returns too. It, right. So the Bucks are still in a position where if Ndamukong Sue does not return, yeah, they can go out and sign another veteran defensive tackle, which is what I would expect the move to be if 93 is not back. But uh, getting a guy like Logan Hall in there, you know, the fact that he is able to be a contributor year one, not necessarily a week one starter, but he's going to see the field. And uh, that's exactly what you want from guys that you're picking later on, later in the rounds, just like this. But l let's get to the next draft pick for Tampa Bay. I think this guy, we, we talk about week one starters. I think of all the draft picks, this guy has probably the best chance to be a week one starter. So the Buccaneers traded up to the number 57 overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. They took offensive lineman Luke Gadecki from Central Michigan University. This guy is a self-proclaimed glass eater. And uh, from what I have That's heard. That's what he says. Yeah, from what I have heard, he is everything you want in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive lineman. I, I think if there's a mold for an O-lineman that they want here in Tampa Bay, this guy is is certainly it. He is rowdy. He makes some noise. He's physical, plays to the whistle. I mean, all the attributes that you could slap on a guy like maybe Ryan Jensen seems like is rubbing off on this guy a little bit. And it uh, seems like the best possible scenario for him to be to be surrounded by a great group like this. But the Bucks have also made it clear that he's going to have more than a few chances to to try and win that starting job this year. So that's pretty interesting to see something to watch in camp Gadecki and a guy like Aaron Stinney going at it for that guard spot. Yeah. So obviously um, j just, just a note, he says it's pronounced Gedeki. Um, I, we, me and James were calling him Gadoki. Get. Yeah. I, I, we were calling him all types of names. I didn't know how to say it. Um, 
Yeah, but he says it's like almost like get a key, basically. But you just say it, you know, get a key. Um, so obviously, yeah, another small school offensive lineman, and that's you know where Jason Light has thrived on. Ali Marpet, Hobart, uh, Alex Kappa, Humboldt State. Like, yeah, those two guys, Hobart and Humboldt State, aren't exactly uh, the premier college football uh, spots. But um, you know, he really has a knack for finding these guys. So I trust them when it comes to, I would almost trust them more on a smaller school guy than a big school guy when it comes to offensive linemen, um, especially in interior offensive linemen, because obviously he's had hits with tackles from bigger schools being Donovan Smith from Penn state and Tristan works from Iowa. Um, yeah, we talk I mean, about, even, talk about interior ahead. offensive linemen. You talk about Alex Kappa coming in, playing for four years and securing the bag the way he just right. did. Like that's, that's 100% a product of Jason Light and the knack he has for drafting offensive linemen. Running backs, not so much. But if we talk about the we'll hits there. over the course of, uh, you know, the drafts that Jason Light has had, interior offensive linemen in particular, just some of the best picks he's had during uh, right. his time in Tampa Bay. And obviously you note that he has a chance to start. And I agree. I do think he has the best chance to start. It may not be the name you were expecting to hear, but I think he may have the best chance to be the week one starter. Uh, Because I do think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a competition actually between three guys. And that's Aaron Stinney, Luke Gedeke, and also last year's third round draft pick, Robert Hainsey. I think obviously he can play some center. Unfortunately now, you know, with Ryan Jensen signed for three years, you're not going to be seeing Robert Hainsey play much center, uh, at least hopefully not, unless, you know, Jensen gets injured, God forbid. But, um, you know, he can play guard as well. So I would expect Robert Hainsey to fill in a little bit there. That's going to be an interesting camp battle to watch. I think it's between three guys. Um, you know, I, I do want to, at the end of, of this, when we give our overall thoughts on the draft class, I'll go on a little bit of a rant about some other things. But right now, just tone it into this. Gedeke would not, would not shock me at all if he was the starting left guard. Like, it, it really wouldn't. He needs some room to grow, obviously. Uh, there is definitely going to be some growing pains with a, a rookie left guard. This isn't going to be a Tristan Wirf situation. Tristan Wirfs are rare. Okay, like they are rare. They don't just come in and start playing like a pro bowler immediately. That that doesn't happen. And a guy from a smaller school, he's going to be going up against big interior defensive linemen. There's going to be some growing pains, but I do think he has a chance to start. And, um, you know, that's just like we talked about looking for contributors. When you're not picking early, you're looking for guys who could just maybe not start, but contribute. And I mean, Gedeke has a chance to really start and, and contribute. So uh, really curious to see pass protection needs to get a bit more uh, refined. Uh, he's a good run blocker, which they've wanted to run the ball more this season. So we'll see how that turns out. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's a good pick. Obviously a lot of people, again, it's not a name you recognize. So people think it's automatically a bad pick and that's just how draft season goes. Yeah. Well, it seems like the identity of a lot of the new guys coming into Tampa Bay, especially these, uh, these offensive linemen. And then the tight end we'll talk about here in a minute, but you know, guys that aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. Uh, he's a small school lineman. He's going to be facing some pretty stiff competition in the NFL, but the fact that he sounds like he is more than ready for it and already confident enough in himself to win that starting job. I'm excited to see what happens, and I really hope this kid can produce. He's he's maybe my favorite pick of the draft. But let's go ahead and get to the next pick of the draft. With the 91st pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected Arizona State running back Rashad White. I like this pick a lot. 
It's running back. So, I mean, it's a mid-round running back, but a lot of people were kind of surprised because it, it seems like maybe there were a couple of other running backs on the board that some people were much bigger fans of than Rashad White, but you take a look at what he was capable of in college. His ability, not only, you know, just as a shifty guy, he's, he's really athletic, but he's a great pass-catching back. He's pretty well-rounded. Seems like he brings a lot to the table, and maybe he can contribute a little bit more than a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn, fresh out of college. What do you think of this pick right here? Well, so uh, the, this is the next third-round running back, right? The, the one before that was Keyshawn yeah. Vaughn. I will say I enjoyed this pick more than the Keyshawn we, Vaughn pick. It, it, we, we talked about Jason Light's hot streak with uh, with offensive linemen. We would be remiss if it's... we did not mention uh, his opposite streak of, of picking running backs so far. It hasn't been yeah. awesome. So obviously the the elephant in the room will be they selected a running back. It was Rashad White. It was not Florida's Damian Pierce or Texas A&M's Isaiah Spiller, both whom uh, were on the board. Uh, James Cook was off the board by then. Brees Hall was off the board by then. Kenneth Walker was also off the board. Um, so you know, a lot of people were looking at, if you're going to pick a running back, why not pick one of those two? I would have, in that situation, if I was going running back, personally, I, I had Pierce ranked much higher. Um, but you know, it is what it is. You know, you're looking for a, a certain type. Rashad White is, is a player, like you said, is a pass catching back. I, I think that's his that's his first role. And if he's going to have a role in Tampa in 2022, that's what it's going to be. I wouldn't expect him to you know, be taking Leonard Fournette snaps or anything. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe he cuts in a little bit to Giovanni Bernard snaps, maybe. But, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. As a pass blocker, he'll need to get better. That's something that will uh, have to be improved. He's not horrendous, but it's something that when he's going up against big safeties and big corners or linebackers in the NFL and these blitzes, he's going to have to get better. He tries. It's just he's not the greatest at it. So hopefully that's something you, you can work out eventually. But uh, Rashad White, I mean, he's got upside, but again, it seems like he's more of a projection than an actual an actual player feels like if you were looking for a player it'd be Damian Pierce or Isaiah Spiller I'm not even a huge fan of Isaiah Spiller I've said that a lot on the show um but I was surprised that Isaiah Spiller went as late as he did maybe I'm on to something um but uh you know Rashad White is the pick it makes sense to get a pure pass catching back because you have Leonard Fournette signed for the next three years you don't need a bell cow really and one more thing I want to note before you, before you put out your point here. There's always a chance that Fournette could regress to what he has been his whole career. Last season, he was fantastic catching the football. That was an outlier. He, he's never had that type of season catching the football in the NFL. So there's always a chance that it could regress. And if it does, Bernard and White could make for a pretty solid combination on third down. And you also look at the running back room going into next season. You, you talk about White kind of being a uh, a progression here or a, uh, a projection. projection. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I guess a progression as well kind of works in this sense. But is it safe to write him off as maybe a replacement for Gio Bernard next year as well? Yeah. Depending uh, on, I, I do think that, yeah. yeah. I mean, you kind of fill out that room with a little bit more youth. You've got these guys under contract. Keyshawn Vaughn, of course, should still be here. And then you now have White for the next couple of years as well. Gio Bernard, year to year. Well, curious to see what he does this year. But, I mean, you kind of know what you're getting with his production. So I think it would be safe to assume that this is a guy who 
Maybe he'll see the field this year. It'll be interesting to see what happens if he does, but I have to believe that if Gio Bernard eventually moves on, then next year is really when you're going to see this kid start to hit his stride catching the football out of the backfield, especially if Lenny is not doing it as much as he was last year, per se. Another offensive talent for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the next pick in the draft. With pick 106 overall in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Buccaneers selected tight end Cade Otten from Washington. I don't know a whole lot about this pick. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not the most draft-savvy guy if you haven't picked this up. I know the Bucs were looking to get younger at the tight end position. Cam Brate, you know, Rob Gronkowski still kind of up in the air, but he, he'll he be back. I, I Like, I... <laughs> I think he'll be back. But um, at the end of the day, it seemed like the Bucks definitely needed another tight end or two. And uh, this guy certainly is a tight end. I think he had, what, six touchdowns his last season in college, if I'm not mistaken. So he definitely is productive and can find the end zone. Don't know how well of a blocker he is, but luckily the other guy they got at tight end is one hell of a blocker. But what are your thoughts on uh, Cade Otten here? Yeah, so real quick, regardless if Gronkowski returned or not, they were always picking a tight end relatively early. And I'm actually glad that they didn't pick a tight end in their first three picks. Maybe that would have changed had Trey McBride not gone to the Cardinals five picks ahead of the Bucks in the second round. Maybe. Um, I actually think it would have. I think they probably would have picked him in the second round. Um, Kate Otten, I mean, you know, he's a he's a player that is a safe pick i think he's not going to give you a ton after the catch he's he's kind of like a cameron break uh, i think his best comparison to something that would relate to bucks fans would be cameron break just a better blocker than cameron break a slightly better blocker he's more of an all-around tight end but he's not going to give you a ton of after the catch stuff, uh, he's going to catch the football, but then he's not not going to you know catch the football, then run for another 15 yards. Like that's not his game. He's going to get to the spot and catch the ball. So I think it's a player that Brady will like, uh, and I think he'll probably cut into Brady's snaps quite a bit, uh, you know, th- this coming season. But th- they needed they Cameron Bray and I believe Cody McElroy were the only two tight ends they had on their contract before the draft. They needed to get somebody else. So they ended up drafting multiple ones, which didn't shock me either because there's no guarantee that McElroy is even going to make the roster. Um, so we'll see uh, what happens with Gronkowski. I would expect him to come back. Uh, but again, this is somewhere Kate Otten could be the starter next year, but you don't have to you don't have to rush him into anything, right? I think he's a more refined player. He's an experienced player, but um, I think he could step in and start if you needed him to. But I think obviously the ideal thing is not putting him into too big of a role, letting him ease into it. And I think this is actually one of the, the safer picks. And I actually think this is the one where I think the Bucks got not the best value, but I think the most fair value, like you know, first pick in the fourth round, Kate Otten makes sense. His range, where he's projected and stuff, that makes sense. Like I think that as far as value of players go, I think this was the one where it was it was fair. Yeah. Now uh the Jason Light haters, because there are quite a few of them, they were out in full force after this next pick. This one's interesting because it obviously opens the door a little bit to change what this position group is going to look like. 
with the 133rd overall pick of the 2022 NFL Draft. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers took punter Jake Camarda from the University of Georgia. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this well, uh, let's give it let's give it a clap real quick. Yeah, let's uh, clap it up for the boy. I, I mean, listen, uh, it, it, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Heck of a run. Heck of a run. Hell of a run. Super Bowl champion. The people's champion. But folks, this move right here may just That's spell it. the end. <laughs> may just spell the end for Bradley Pinion in Tampa Bay. And for the Buccaneers, it's a pretty smart decision. Uh, Bradley Pinion was set to make a little over $2.5 million this year. 2.9. Yeah, it was the last year of his contract in Tampa Bay. So with that being said, you got Jose Borgales on the roster who yeah, he'll pun, right? Or they'll be they'll oh, use the other kicker. they'll use the other guy. Yeah, they'll, they'll use Camarda. Well, yeah, of course they'll use Camarda, but I thought we had another punter on the roster for some reason. No, not right of... now, I don't think. No. All right. Well, yeah, yeah the point is got, you don't you don't you don't draft a punter in the fourth round and then keep your veteran. No, you're not making wrong. 2.9 million. You're, dollars, so. you're not you're not wrong. And and we had kind of been talking, honestly, we had been talking since this time last year, the exit route for Bradley Pinion in Tampa Bay because more than a few people were not too happy about the salary that he got, but yeah, it is what it is. Buccaneers save some money, take a punter here. And uh that's it. I, I feel like yeah. I, I mean, feel like you, I you can't analyze punters. Like, yeah, sure you can. Yeah, okay. Sure, well, a, we we got to have it. Get McAfee on here, and we'll analyze it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously everybody's gonna say, oh, you know, Jason Lloyd, this and that with with special teams. Look, when you don't have a ton of needs, here's how I looked at it. Would I have made the pick personally? No, I I wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't have personally made that pick. However. When you're talking about needing contributors for your draft picks, he's the guy. Like sure, you got yeah. a contributor, you got a starter. No, like that's you it, have yeah. a starting well, punter. We were talking about uh, we were talking about Gedeke earlier, but I mean, this guy really is your best shot at yeah, being a week one like, starter. He's, like it, it he's the like starter. A, yeah, it's his job. Yeah, like you know. So when you talk about contributors, yeah, like. He's he's the guy. Um, like I said, a punter in the fourth round is not good value, no matter where you slice it. A, a, a kicker in the fourth round is better value because a kicker at least put points up on the board, right? Yeah. A kicker puts three or, or or one point up on the board. Um, a punter doesn't do that, right? You're not going to see a punter end up with, with with a field goal. Um, but they, you know, Bradley Pinion started off the year strong, and he just slowed down. Um, well, it, just, honestly, towards the end, there were just he got hurt and it was, he was trying to work through it. I remember they had yeah. uh, Sterling Hoffrichter be the punter for, for one or two games, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't believe Hoffrichter's under contract. That's why I, I and don't then, believe. And then when is. Pinion came back, he had that game. I can't remember which one it was, but he kicked the ball out of bounds twice on the kickoff. It, it was the divisional game. Yeah twice in, in a playoff game can't yeah, do that that's that's <laughs> tough buddy i mean listen we are the biggest people champ fans there are but that that's that's tough you're you're an nfl punter yeah like you, you can't doing it once is bad enough doing it twice in a playoff game like come on we gotta um we, we gotta have him on the show now and just tell this to him and be like listen yeah bro, you know i'm sorry let's I'm, break I'm gonna, down I'm gonna, why yeah. you don't have a job anymore brad <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Brandon Michael in the chat says this guy could have been taken in the seventh or undrafted. That's the point. I don't know if that's true because about four picks before that, the Ravens also took a punter. So 
Don't think Camarda would have been in the seventh round or undrafted. And Matareza, Matareza, the the punt god, also went at the top of the sixth round, I believe. So um, he wouldn't have been available in the seventh or undrafted. So I'm not sure the point you're trying to make. But um, I, you know, I'm not going to say it's a great pick because it's not. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But it's a starter like it is. And it's somebody who will contribute. And it's something that they obviously felt like they needed. And will that two point nine million dollars if we don't know if they're going to release Bradley Pinion now or if they're going to hold him in a training camp and have a competition just to, to push Camarda a little bit. I think Jason Lake has always kind of said his biggest regret with the whole Roberto Aguayo thing was that he didn't give Aguayo any type of competition. He handed him the job. Right. That was one of his biggest regrets with Roberto Aguayo. Um, and I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be criticizing this as much had Jason Light not pick Roberto Aguayo and Matt Gay, or if either one of those would have worked out. Like, I feel like if Matt Gay was their kicker right now and he had the year that he had for LA this past season, nobody would care about a punter right now. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's not a great pick, but it is a starter and they can use that $2.9 million. If they choose to release Bradley Pinion tomorrow, they can use that to, you know, to to sign Nadam Kinsu, sign Rob Gronkowski, sign someone else. You know, you can use that in other ways. So that's where they determined it. Yeah, this next pick in the draft is uh, honestly a pretty interesting one. I think the most athletic pick of the draft, that's for sure. And we'll talk much more about it here in a second. But with the 157th overall selection, in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traded up to select defensive back Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State University. Correct me if I'm wrong, but some way, somehow, this guy graded out to be the most athletic defensive back in the history of grading defensive backs coming out of the draft. I mean, he was he was a perfect 10 out of 10 on whatever scale they had these guys on. It, he seems like a stud. So uh, relative athletic score is the scale. Uh, He had a 10 out of 10 score. It was the most athletic cornerback in the past 35 years. Uh, He ranks number one as the most athletic corner of all time since prospects were beginning to get graded, which was 1987. Um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously he's a heck of an athlete. We're not going to talk about that too much. We know that. Having the measurables is obviously one thing, but, you know, when you grade out like that, a lot of people are going to scratch their head and wonder why this guy was picked as late as he was, you know? So I guess let's just get your complete thoughts on uh, this player and in this pick for Tampa Bay. I mean, definitely a, a Bucks type pick. Uh, they like their corners to be athletic. He reminds me a lot of Jamel Dean, uh, obviously, uh, a, obviously smaller school, um, you know, slightly less like talent right away or else he would have gone much higher like Jamel Dean did. But as far as the traits and then the physical tools, this guy has it all uh, six, about six, two um, ran a four, three, three. I think it's just, he's a physical specimen and um, like, he, yeah, he's, his athleticism speaks for itself. This was my favorite, uh, favorite pick. Um, so yeah, I think it was much needed cornerback depth. It is a bucks type pick. Trading a 2023 fourth round pick on the surface doesn't look great. However, here's what I will say. This is just a real quick, I'll get into more of this as next year and everything, but they traded a 2023 fourth. They're projected to get a 2023 fifth and seventh round comp pick. So while they trade away their fourth, they're projected to have two fifths, two sevenths. 
And I have a strong feeling that Byron Leftwich is going to be hired by somebody after this season. So that would mean they also get a comp third. So they would have two thirds, no fourth, two fifths. So it kind of balances out and it's not as huge of a deal, but they need a cornerback depth. They got it. This is a guy who, again, you're betting on it, right? It's kind of a projection. You're betting on the upside more because, you know, his ceiling is high, but he's nowhere close to that right now. I think he could become a solid cornerback too. I, I really do. He, he's not going to be a one, but I think he could be a, a two, uh, maybe a three. And this could be, this was, this was the best value pick this, even though they had the trade up to do it, this was the best value pick of the entire class for them. Now, regarding his ability to produce for this team. And I mean, year one, does he have a role in this defensive backfield? Is he going to find himself a little bit of playing time this year? Because we talk about corner depth, but you know the upside that this guy has, it really does seem like even in a depth position, he may be able to bring something to the table a little bit more than like a, a Ross Cockrell, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, obviously, you know, Cockrell doesn't have as you know as much physical traits as, as McCollum does. I would still expect Cockrell to be the, the fourth corner out of the gate. Um, maybe by midseason that changes, but he'll have a role. But you're going to hope either A, it's on special teams. And I believe Keith, Ar- Keith Armstrong, is the special teams coordinator, actually talked about that today, that he could get a chance to test out that 4-3-3 speed uh, and, and return some punts or, or kicks for the Bucks. So uh, be on the lookout for that in camp. Um, so I, I believe Cockrell will be the, the fourth corner, uh, coming out of camp. McCollum will probably be the fifth. And I think McCollum will have a shot to maybe overtake Cockrell there, uh, by mid season. Uh, a lot of people think that Ross Cockrell is just like the worst corner known to man. And I don't understand it. Like, sure. Is he great? No, but he's a fourth corner. Like, I'm sorry. You're, you're not going to have four to five really, really good corners. Like you, you're, you're not going to have it. So um, obviously Cockrell has the experience in, in the offense. McCollum, like I said, while his potential is good, he's still pretty raw, uh, especially playing against not so great talent at the senior bowl. He was okay. Um, so, you know, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. I do expect McCollum to be a, a piece of this team moving forward. It's just for 2022. I think it's going to be more of a, you'll see him, but you'll see him in very specific roles and you probably won't see him a whole lot in like the actual cornerback role. Right. I have to imagine he's one of those guys that Todd Bowles is going to send out onto the field whenever they try to mix up the look on defense, you know what I mean? Maybe a weird blitz package yeah, or, they... or, or does, does the secondary suffer the injuries that they said they, they had last year? You know? I, I mean, you can never it could happen again. That. I, I, yeah, it, it could. I hate to sit here and think about it, but uh, I, I also wouldn't mind thinking about that four three three speed getting sent on a DB blitz or something like that. It, it could be cool to see them get creative with this guy just because of the sheer athleticism that he has. But I'd love to see him get involved and just another guy, potential contributor, year one. And, and that's what you like to see so far from this draft class. This next guy is a curious case. It is the second tight end Tampa Bay drafted with pick 218. Uh, they actually traded two of their uh, two of their three seventh rounders with the Rams to get this pick. They gave away two thirty five and two sixty one. They pick at two eighteen. Minnesota tight end Co. Keeft. 
probably one of the coolest names in, in Buccaneer draft pick history. Co-Keefed. I, I thought the T was silent, so Co-Keefe would have been even better. But Co-Keefe, he is a big ginger from Minnesota. And he Did is they a, draft you? Yeah, they might as well have. But uh, he is a blocking tight end, baby. Similar to Gadecki yes. a little bit earlier, this guy is a uh, he's a glass eater. He has said that he is not afraid to get down and dirty blocking the football. And you look at his tape, man. He brings more than enough to the table as a blocker. I mean, at this point, he might as well be the best blocking tight end they have behind a guy like Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I think he's probably a better blocker than Rob Gronkowski. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah. he's just he's tenacious, dude. It's just he he doesn't quit. Don't get me wrong, this guy's a blocking tight end. He's not going to do anything else. Like he he's just he's even not. the even the pictures of him catching the ball and running it. He looks so out of place. Yeah, like he's not going to happen. Like he he's not going to be sitting there catching passes from Tom Brady. Um, but what it does give them is it gives them the other option to have, you know, instead of have Josh Wells in as the extra blocker, maybe bring him in if it's a, you know, I mean, obviously Josh Wells is a bigger player, so you still may have to resort to an offensive lineman as being your extra blocker. But, I mean, Coke Keefe, he's just – He's a nasty. Um, he's just you see his film and he drives people to the ground and after the whistle and he plays to the whistle. Um, yeah, he's just he, he's a great fit for what they want to do on offense. They want to run the ball more. They want to get better at running the ball. They don't want Tom Brady throwing it over seven hundred times like he did last season. Um, and I think that's a good start drafting this guy. So on a lot of other teams, Keith probably wouldn't make the roster but on this specific team there's a need for like a specific blocking tight end because especially if you have Rokowski back you have Cameron Brake, Kate Otten those are your three primary receiving options and you they, don't need much better than that Go they ahead. don't do it as much as they used to but there was a period of time where two tight ends on the football field was a staple of this Bucks offense like Dirk Cutter mm-hmm. Really liked having multiple tight ends right. on the field. Cam Bray isn't they, quite they, the they paid They paid Cameron Bray and then drafted O.J. Howard in the same offseason. Yeah. That's yeah. how much they liked tight ends back then. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it, even though it's not Bruce Arians calling the plays or, I guess, designing plays anymore, it, it could still be offense. considered a Bruce Arians offense under Byron Leftwich as the offensive coordinator. But it's interesting to see the role that this guy is going to have because he very well could be out there on every single jumbo set they have blocking his ass off and I'd love to see that because you know he is a later round draft pick I think a sixth round draft pick if I'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. if you can get this guy out of the rest of the class playing the most like that's you know what better way to get some use out of your sixth round pick I'd I'd love to see that from this dude James is a ten dollar super chat let's go man clap clap it up up. for the boy James Um, James as in Mr. Bucks Nation James Yes, yes, Mr. Bucks Nation, James. Oh, Sorry, guy, I, I should I should have made that distinction. Yeah, first. yeah, the guy who's uh, ah, never mind. We'll handle um, it. Yeah, we'll handle that. So, um, obviously, so here's the thing. A lot of people were like, "Oh, Coquie may not be drafted. He may have been undrafted." Here's the thing about basically once you enter the sixth round, once you enter the sixth round you're basically picking guys that you don't want to compete with other teams for in undrafted free agency. Like that's what you're picking those guys for. You just, you you want them and you don't want to deal with having to compete with other teams. You you don't think they're going to maybe pick you. So you just pick them. Right. So you just pick them up and and you know, you have them. So I know a lot of people were like, Oh, this is a, this is a reach. This guy may have been undrafted. 
it's just all about securing a guy that you want. So that's very common. And we'll get to it here with their seventh round pick. This is a guy who, um, you know, obviously, you know, once, uh, once they picked him, you kind of saw like, okay, yeah, this is clearly a guy that they wanted, but you know, they knew they probably would have had to draft him to get him because your chances in undrafted free agency with UDFAs are not great anymore. You know, John Spitek talked about that after the draft that, you know, it used to be easy. It used to be, you know, oh, all the, the top undrafted free agents, you know, want to come to Tampa because there's a shot to make the roster. There's a shot to have a spot. Now that's not the case. There's not as many spots. So less undrafted free agents are going to want to come there. So they liked Coquif enough. They didn't want to lose him and they, they got him. So it is what it is. Now, this next guy, the final pick of the draft for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2022, probably could have gone way higher. Uh, He had a senior season that was derailed by injury, only played a handful of games before he missed the rest of the year. So his recovery process is obviously something to keep an eye on. But the Buccaneers got another pass rusher with the 248th pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected LSU defensive end Andre Anthony. The LSU tradition continues. Something about those LSU defenders in Tampa Bay. But uh, he winds up in a Buccaneers uniform. And and this one's pretty interesting. I like what he brings to the table. You know, more help for the trenches, the better. You get younger at defensive end. Not entirely sure where he's going to line up, whether it's an outside linebacker spot or if he's going to be kicked inside, kind of like Logan Hall. But uh, I I do like this pick. You know, it's the last pick of the draft. You really can't get too critical. You can't get too emotionally caught up in a seventh-round pick. But if he can find a way to contribute, so be it. You you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Odds are he won't find a way to contribute. You're just hoping he makes the roster at that point. Um, Not necessarily contribute. But they got younger. And and technically, he's going to be an outside linebacker. That's what he'll project probably in this uh, defense. But they got younger. A little bit younger. I mean, he, he he's a curious case. He turns uh, 26 in November. Um, so he's obviously he's on the older side. He's 25 years old now. So he dealt with injuries a lot in his career, and that's really derailed a lot of his success. Um, you know, I feel like if it wasn't for the injuries, he's probably a sixth or, or fifth round pick. Um, it's the type of guy, yeah, you just take a flyer on. Like I said, you're hoping you like a guy enough, and you don't know if you're going to be able to get him in, in as a UDFA, so you just pick him. So it was their last pick of the draft. You're just picking basically whoever's on on top of your board pretty much. And uh, yeah, the LSU pipeline continues. The Washington pipeline continues. The the Auburn pipeline did not continue this year. Central Michigan. Uh, Central Michigan. um, Because obviously Sean Murphy bunting. Um, So Minnesota, they have Anton Winfield and Tyler Johnson, obviously didn't, and Coquife now, right? Coquife. Coquife. So there's a Minnesota pick there. So the Minnesota pipeline continues. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, you can't really talk about much about this pick. It's, it's it's a seventh round pick. You know, he may or may not make the roster. Odds are he probably won't, but he's probably a practice squad guy that you could hopefully develop over the years. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's fine. It's at a position that they, they could have used as a pass rush help. All right, so let's put a grade on the 2022 NFL draft for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Overall, I think everybody kind of has the same sentiments with this one. Nothing sexy, nothing that you can get overly excited about, but the Bucks were able to address a lot of positions in need. I think they did a good job 
scouting the talent that they did, a lot of the players that they got, guys like Coe Keeft, guys like, uh, you know, Gedeke in the second round, or I'm sorry, the third round. I think those guys are going to oh, do yeah, well. It was, it, was, it was the second. Okay, late second round. I feel like those guys are going to do well meshing with the culture here in Tampa Bay. That's the kind of player that you want. Logan Hall, I'm really excited about. I feel like he's got a ton of upside. You know, an offseason program in an NFL weight room is going to do anything for a college athlete. But for a guy with the measurables like Logan Hall has and the intensity that we've heard so much about coming out of college, I'd, I'd really like to see what he looks like, especially come camp, because um, a lot can happen between now and then. But, you know, uh, they call me the eternal optimist, so I was going to slap a B-plus on it, but I'll, I'll give it a B. I'll give it a B. Um, you know, it got the job done better than average. I, I I saw a couple of people graded out as like an A and an A-plus. I, I don't quite buy that. But I think the Bucks did a pretty solid job of just going after all the positions they needed to. Like, I, I, can't, I can't be mad with the picks. You know, the people who are mad about the picks are the people who were a little too emotionally invested in guys like Isaiah Spiller and Damian Pierce and, you know, oh, well, th- this guy had been mocked and the Buccaneers chose somebody else over him, and then that's not how it works. Wild, wild Bill. Bill. Wild Bill. We're getting wild. Yeah, baby. That's $10 right. Clap it up. Appreciate Thank you, you guys. Wild solid Bill. takes from solid dudes. Go Bucks. Thank you so much, Bill. We're glad to have you here, my friend. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give it a, I'll give it a B. A B for Bill. What What are you thinking about this draft? I'll go B for Bill as well. Yeah, that's, that's what yeah, I was going to roll with. Um, clap, clap it up one more time. Oh yeah, Bill. we're getting wild in uh, here, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, every every time he super chats now, I'm every time I see you that super get, chat come, come through from, from wild, I'm going to get wild. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we'll have to come up with a number threshold, but if we get a little too wild, we're going to have to start, ri- you know, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Hulk Hogan style. Yeah, yeah, man. I'll, I'll talk like in his voice, you know, get wild, <laughs> brother. Um, get wild on CFP here. The 24 inch pythons are getting wild, bro. <laughs> Talking about Logan Hall. What you going to do, brother? When oh, wild Lo- Logan Hall runs wild on you. Oh, oh. Logan Hall and all the other glass eaters, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go with a B. Uh, they got a lot of players at positions of need that will contribute in some form in, in 2022. And that's the, the most of why this grade is a B um, because I do think that they found contributors. Uh, they found players who may not start, but like they'll play. And I think that's most important when you're picking late in the draft, as we talked about. So I, I, I will go with a B. I think something that's, uh, you know, obviously it's contention every single year when you're picking in the later, uh, the later picks in the rounds and stuff like that. But you know, the amount of contributors that they have out of this draft class compared to like last year, you know, Joe Tryon saw the field last year. Who else really contributed? Yeah, Jalen Darden contributed, but he wasn't good. Not, yeah, not in a good <laughs> way. Um, right. he, he was probably the most hype pick of the draft, I remember. And like, you know, that was an OK draft. I, I That was a miss from me. Yeah, <laughs> Jalen Darden, my favorite pick. Anyways, well, now you say that I'm going to get into my rant really quick. All right, let's do um, it. We'll wrap it up with this. So I am a big Jason Light fan. A lot of people who've listened to the show for many years know this. I think Jason Light is one of the best general managers in the entire league. I think the Bucks front office as a whole is one of the best in the entire league. They don't do much that makes me question them. However, his day twos as of late have not been great. 
So he drafts Antoine Winfield in 2020 in the second round. Cool. Great pick. Third round goes to Keyshawn Vaughn. Okay. Uh, you're hoping. Real, real quick, real quick. Brandon Michael with a $10 Let's super go. chat. Here's some more, LOL. Thank Clap you a lot, up. Brandon. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brandon. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Brandon Michael had two first names. I don't care. Um, so, so, so let's uh, let me get back to this really quick. Thank you a lot, Brandon. I appreciate it. Um, so Keyshawn Vaughn, then you go to 2021. And just like you talked about contributors, you, your second and third round picks didn't play like at all. Like, especially Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask wasn't even active for any regular season game. So that's a mistake to me, especially when you're in win-now mode. You need contributors. I understand looking to build for the future, but it just it, it makes it makes the Kyle Trask pick look bad that they need to get these depth things. And I understand people say, well, you weren't a fan of the Trask pick anyway. I wasn't, but that doesn't change the fact that, you know, they need depth now, right? They, they needed, what if instead of Kyle Trask, they had more receiver depth or more offensive line depth? Would the playoffs been different? Maybe, who knows? Um, what if they had more corner depth? Would the whole season been different? Maybe. Uh, so it's just, it's tough. And then Robert Hainsey, He's a third round pick who didn't really play. Now here, here's the here's the thing though. He's on Vaughn in 2020 and Robert Hainsey in 2021. You picked their replacements already. You just did. Yeah. Like that, Luke, that... Luke Gedicke is gonna beat out Robert Hainsey most likely for the left guard job. At least you're hoping he is. And Rashad White is likely gonna beat out Keyshawn Vaughn for whatever role there. So those picks are now kind of wasted. Shout out to Mr. Bucks Nation. The two dollar super chat says, When is Baker Mayfield going to the Bucks? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> um no, but I will say you brought up Robert Hainsey, and that's probably my biggest problem with the draft class from last year, is that I really like the Hainsey pick. I I still really like the Hainsey pick. It just kind of sucks because it, it seems like he put himself well, he didn't put himself in a position, but he has found himself in a position where it doesn't seem like he's going to get a fair shake at really fighting for a spot on this roster. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he's going to get a fair shot at that guard spot with Stinney and, and Gedeke. And yeah, these guys. he'll make the roster, but what's his yeah. role? Like, Right. Did you, know, you just it, draft a career backup in the third round? And one of the things that we had praised coming out of the draft last year was his versatility, where he could just plug and play along this offensive line. And when you deal with injuries like you did last year in the playoffs, it would have been interesting to see if maybe Hainsey is a guy they could fit into the equation somehow. You know, we, we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about what ifs, but mm-hmm. yeah, just like you said, when you go out and you essentially draft his replacement, it just feels even more yeah. like a wasted pick. And it's a shame because he seems like a talented player. And I, I wish I could obviously see a little bit yeah. more. From him. I, I mean, I mean, so what? So if your plan is to start him at right guard after Shaq Mason leaves, Shaq Mason's under contract for two more seasons. You'd be starting Robert Hainsey for the first time in his fourth year and in his yeah, contract. That, that's year. a contract year. Like so it's <laughs> what like you really put him in a great like position there. So I just felt like the picks were fine, but like it sort of reflected to me that like, man, in the third round, if you didn't pick Keyshawn Vaughn. Rashad White would have made a lot more sense. Like it would have been justified. And the third round last year, Robert Hainsey and your second round pick didn't play at all last year. It wasn't even active. And, you know, amazement in the chat brings up a good point said that I had a good point. 
because the 2023 draft is loaded with quarterbacks. If you wanted a quarterback, obviously there will be names that fall off and rise up, right? That that's going to happen. But early returns, I, you know, there was what I think I believe four quarterbacks this season drafted in the top 100. Wouldn't surprise me if there were seven or eight next season that were drafted in the top 100. It is a, it could be a special quarterback class next year. So yeah. that would make the trash pick, especially if the Bucks pick one of them. If the Bucks pick one of them, that means they admitted Trask was a mistake. And then he wasted a second round pick, which is even worse. So it's just a little thing. I, like I said, love what Jason Light has done. He's obviously built this team into a winner, into a champion. But there is, he needs to improve on day two. Hopefully this was the start. Hopefully you got Logan Hall, Bang, uh, Luke Gedeke, and Rashad White as all three contributors that can contribute for three, four years down the line. Amazement717 in the chat. Quick question. Which day two pick are you guys interested in seeing the most? Evan, I'll toss it to you first. But all those guys you just mentioned, who are you excited to watch? Probably Rashad White. Just because, I mean, running back, you know. Um, it's something that I believe they still need, right? A pass catching back. Uh, Bernard was fine last year, but he also battled injuries last year. So uh, I'm excited to see Logan Hall. I just don't know how much you're going to see a Logan Hall. So I think you you could see a lot more of Rashad White, especially if he comes out of the gates quick and sort of beats out Giovanni Bernard for that third round down back. So I think you could see Rashad White a, a good bit there. Yeah. I said it before in the show. I'll say it again. Uh, Gedeke's my guy. I just that whole mentality, you know, the the glass eater thing. The idea that he can go out there and compliment a guy like Ryan Jensen so well. Like, just the image of those two guys headhunting every single passing down. Like, that's going to be pretty cool to see. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. If he can win that starting job, that 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 boosts my stock in him that much more. You know what I'm saying? Because I already like the pick. But if he can go out there and win the job and just continually kick ass this season, that'll be pretty damn cool to watch. But before we wrap up the show, a little something new here. And this is probably an off-season novelty. I might forget about this once the regular season rolls around. But it's the first podcast of the month. It is May 3rd, 2022. We haven't talked about it. Tomorrow is Star Wars Day, folks. Oh, yeah. One day before Star Wars Day. So if you are out there, uh, you nerds, happy Star Wars Day. But it's all right. I'm a, I, I, am a, I am a Star Wars nerd. So, yeah, yeah I, I am happy. I'm celebrating with you guys. I mean, it could be worse. We could be talking about Star Trek, right? I mean, yeah, terrible. So it's the first podcast of the month, which means it's officially time to flip the calendar page behind me. I've been looking at a picture of Jordan Whitehead for the entire month of April, and it really bummed me out because I had to flip that page like two days after he signed with the Jets. And uh, I was really bummed out that we lost him. So we're going to flip the page. We're going to see if I'm going to continue to be bummed out for another month in a row, because if memory serves correctly, I think I am. But here we go. It's going to drum right. roll Who, going. Who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? Who is the next player on the calendar to represent the month of May? It is. Oh, no. Oh, no. It is Ali Marpet. Oh, boy. I mean, it's not as sad because, I mean, he's not playing for another team. But... Yeah, that's true. Buccaneers legend. Hey, Buccaneers yeah. legend, Ali Marpet, man. Clap, it up, still... clap it up one time. Yeah. 74. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, some say, you know, Luke Gedeke's father. Some say. 
Oh. Uh, so oh, that, that's man, what some are saying. The man who walked so Gedeke could run. That's right. Uh, yeah, but uh, hopefully June treats you a bit better with an actual player who's on the active roster. Hopefully. Hey, I mean, uh, we've, got, we've got half of Tom Brady. Yeah. We got. Yeah, we got I mean, yeah, you, you could say it's Tom Brady and Ali Marpet. Yeah. If yeah. Brady didn't come back, that'd be even more depressing. Oh, oh, damn. <laughs> two, re- two retired players. And, and, and then you, you look to your right and all you see is two more retired players yeah. Mike Allstott and Tom Brady. Hey, well, I've come to peace with Mike Allstott. All right, me and Mike are cool. Yeah. We hang out. All right, we're, yeah. we're best friends at this point. Yeah. Uh, ran into him at the at the golf tournament last week. We'll have a video on that dropping soon. Keep an eye out. And then, of course, the man himself. This is this is dope, by the way. So for anyone who doesn't know, I guess I'll just give you a little tour of, of the backdrop here. This is the Tampa Bay Times. The podcast listeners are like, what? Yeah, I know. All the audio people are like, what the hell? So there is a newspaper hanging up next to me on the wall. Uh, I held on to it for pretty much a full year, and then I got it uh, laminated. That way it's protected and everything. But it's it's an edition of the Tampa Bay Times from the morning of Sunday, February 7th, 2021. The day of Super Bowl 55. And the cover story is Tom Brady. Headline is leader of the believers. Tom mm. Brady had this whole thing figured out before he took his first Buccaneer snap. Written by Rick Stroud, everybody's favorite <laughs> Tampa Bay beat journalist. <laughs> oh. I end of the show. Yeah, that's it. I guess that's a good way to end it, right? Everybody's in a good mood now hearing about their favorite beat reporter. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Um <laughs> obviously we will be back. We have a, a we might yeah, have we a pretty, pretty action packed week. week. Yeah, yeah, man. So I, I don't want to give too much away because we have yet to to get anything. We have, set we have one thing confirmed. Yeah, so, and so one this, might be a surprise. This Thursday night, five PM Eastern Standard Time. We may or may not be live, but just know for sure there's a podcast that day. We will be joined by former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Sean King. You know him under coach Tony Dungy getting it done against the Rams in that incredible Monday night football game all the way back in, uh, what was that, two th- yeah, 2000. 2000. 2000. Then, yeah, but he's not, they didn't get it done in 1999. So. Yeah, well, uh, mm. well, we'll ask him about that. But uh, We'll ask him about everything. If you guys have any questions, send us an email uh, at canifierpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, add us on Twitter at canifierpod. Send us a DM at canifierpodcast on Instagram. Just yeah, let us know if you guys have any questions for Sean King as well. For sure. Looking forward to it. Should be a great slate of content for you guys this week. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. You can check out the show on social media, just like Evan said. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL, and you can check out his written work at BucksNation.com. I saw that you uh, you played Devil's Advocate this week, and you put out a pretty interesting article on what the Buccaneers got wrong in the 2022 NFL draft. You got anything else cooking up? 
Uh, so far this week, uh, not not a ton cooking up. Obviously, I have two uh, post-draft articles have one, why the Buccaneers got it right, which is just saying, like, justifying a lot of their selections. And I had to play a little bit of devil's advocate. Like you said, I had to go on the other side and say, why did they get it wrong? What, Where did they go wrong and why might this not work? So be sure to check out both of them. Don't just check out one of them. Be sure to check out both of them over at BucksNation.com. All righty. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you later this week. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's the show. Sorry, but you know, I really had to think about it, make sure I got everything I needed to. Thank you again for everybody who uh, hung out with us over here live on YouTube. Big shout out to everybody who sent a super chat our way as well, donating to the Wendy's Fund. We truly appreciate your guys' support. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go box. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.